Good morning and welcome in. It's another edition of Mile High Magazine. Hope your Sunday morning's going well. I am Murphy Houston and uh, joining us today because November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. You're not going to believe the story of Matt Arnsdorf, who is a speaker advocate for the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. Matt, welcome in. Thanks. Thanks for having me. A little nervous, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're just buddies here talking about topics that, well, people need to know what you have to tell. Sure, exactly. So So the the key to you is you are probably saving lives. I hope so. We're definitely trying. Well, we're going to talk about lung cancer. And let's talk about your involvement. What was your lung cancer diagnosis? You're a young man. You're a healthy-looking guy. Are you a smoker? No, not a smoker. Never? Nope. Actually, pretty healthy. Um, before I was diagnosed, I had just gone through my annual physical, clean bill of health, and have actually, luckily, just done a life um, insurance physical. Perfect, you know, low rates, all that. And two months later, stage four lung cancer. Wow. So what led you to have that further checked? I mean, you just left the doctor? Oh, I'm in good shape. See you next year, doc. Sure, sure, exactly. So what was what was going on that... You thought, I better get checked. Okay. Um, in, in February 2016, January, February, I started having some vision issues. Um, essentially, looking out the side of your eyes, your peripheral vision, I just, it was blurry. And you know, eyes are kind of something you don't mess around with. No. Most things, guys, are kind of like, yeah, hey, it'll get better. But I'm like, oh, my eyes are going bad. <laughs> I can't yeah, do yeah. the things I want to do. Yeah, that would be a key right <laughs> yeah. there. So I got uh, just a typical... Eye doctor appointment went through, passed most everything, because they wanted to check some medical stuff. I had to wait another week, go through medical insurance, got another test, and it essentially confirmed I couldn't see out the side of my eyes. But he's like, "I can't do anything here. I'm going to send you to a neuro ophthalmologist." Wow. Um, we went there, essentially ran the same test just to confirm he was seeing the same thing, and he kind of told me, he goes, "You know." Something's probably pushing on your optic nerve. It's not that uncommon to have a tumor there. Most of the time it's a um, just a regular tumor, not cancerous, and we can take it out pretty simply. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's do an MRI and let's check it out. But let me just stop there a minute. So would that affect both eyes if they thought yeah. they had a tumor on just one eye? Your optic nerve essentially crisscrosses. So from your left side of your brain hooks to your right eye and and vice versa. And this would be sitting right in the middle, hitting both of them. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. I had no idea. (laughs) Really? And actually, when I went in and was realizing this, I only noticed it on my right side. And they kind of confirmed, no, it's happening on both left and right. Wow. So then what happened? So at that point, they sent me in for an MRI. And the MRI was scheduled on a Sunday. I get a call Monday morning from the neuro-ophthalmologist at University of Colorado Health. And he says... Hey, I'm leaving town, but I wanted to get to you right away. Um, we were kind of correct, and you have a tumor pushing on your optic nerve, but you have numerous tumors in your brain. You have 30-plus, uncountable, but we can tell it's medicine. 30-plus? 30 30-plus, 30 and they didn't even give a firm number. There's that many. Well, Mike, what, at that point, you just, what, panicked? I don't know if I panicked. I didn't even know what to think, to be honest with you. It's just kind of like... Okay. Yeah, I, I think I was probably just in shock. Then. Sure. I'm sure. I don't, you don't really know what's going on exactly. I mean, obviously, you're starting to think cancer, but like I said, I, I've never been around cancer that much. I've been fairly lucky. It's not in the family. 
So I'm just kind of in awe. And actually, when he starts saying, we can tell it's not brain cancer, you need to go find out where it's the origination point is. I didn't even know. I mean, how do you know that? How do you metastatic cancer? I, I just didn't know these things. Well, of course you did. It's all new to you. Sure. So you got these tumors in your brain that something else is causing. Exactly. And they don't know what. Exactly. At this point. Yep. Then what happened? So they say you need to go back to your primary doctor and kind of start the process. So this is, let's say, 8 a.m. Monday morning. I call. I get an appointment for that afternoon. I go in. And it's still kind of funny how insurance works. You still can't get a PET scan right away. Oh, of course not. So he said, well, what can we start with? And I just had done some some hiking trips and some things that I could notice a shortness of breath. And I said, hey, I know we've talked about this in past physicals. Allergies may be getting worse, but I have had a worse shortness of breath. Can we start there? And I don't know why I really thought about that. And he goes, sure, I can order a chest x-ray today. No big deal. That, But, but that just popped into your head. Yeah. That's just, a god, you know. That's almost like a god thing. Yeah, it just kind of. Yeah, see, I, yeah. I don't know because I never really heard of lung cancer, but well, how would you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> has it affected you? Exactly. So they do uh, an X-ray. So we do an X-ray Tuesday morning. Get the results. There's a mass in my lungs. At that point, it gives them the ability to order a CT scan. Do that Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday, it's confirmed. There's a essentially a mass for sure. Um. At that point, you're to the biopsy period where you you need to get a biopsy, figure out what's going on. And that's where I kind of lucked out a little bit. Um, My primary doctor was trying to get me into some various hospitals for a biopsy. And I think it's and pushed me towards a certain place for treatment. Sure. And the biopsy ended up being a little more difficult than the average needle biopsy. You had to do a bronchoscopy, kind of go between some very important valves to get down to the tumor and he's having trouble getting me in and randomly a neurologist at university of colorado health called me and said hey i got this mri from the neuro ophthalmologist it doesn't look too good do you want to come talk about it and you know i hesitated a little bit honestly because he so this was, guy called you direct yep without going through your primary care nope, physician he just called me direct wow and he is kind of he had no idea about any of the other stuff. No, nothing about the lungs. Okay. So at one point, I was kind of like hesitant, thinking, do I really want to do this? I already got all this other stuff going on. We're already past the stage. But I said, sure, why not? Why not get a second opinion? Yeah. Really? So we go in there and start talking, and I start telling him about the lungs and all the other things that's gone on. And now that we're kind of in a holding phase, we went pretty fast, but now the biopsy is getting held up. We want to get it done this week, but it might not even happen this week. And he goes... Okay, here's what I need you to do. Go back to where you got your CT scan. Bring me the disc. And this is in the evening. He's just being an amazing person. I drive out there. He walks down from the fourth floor, meets me in the lot. He's still there. Yep, gets it. And he goes, if you don't have a biopsy scheduled by tomorrow, call me. Wow. So I call him, and he goes, because nothing happened that day. You know, they couldn't get me into these other hospitals. I call him. He goes, check yourself into the emergency room Friday morning. I'll have your biopsy done. I don't know if it'll happen... Friday morning, Friday night, you'll just have to stay in the hospital bed, but it'll happen. And it was a good Friday, Easter weekend. Oh, my goodness. So it happened, and I was released on Sunday. We knew at that point I had lung cancer. The biopsy came back, stage 4 lung cancer, non-small cell. and Stage 4? Stage 4. I mean, it had spread outside the lungs. Oh, my goodness. To the brain. You're kind of... And you had no symptoms ever, Nothing. Except this little shortness of breath. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that maybe you can go back and think about, but 
I'm like anybody. I'm 30, 32, not in the – I'm in good shape, but not – I'm not in the same shape I was at 22. So well, I, who is? Exactly. So if I go run 10 miles or two miles, I'm going to breathe a little harder than I used to. Sure. So there's some things like that maybe I could have thought of, but for the most part, no. Not until I started seeing a change in my vision, which means it had already spread. No signs. No signs. So can we mention this doctor's name that probably saved your life? <laughs> I'm thinking, I mean, he calls you at home. Yeah, his name was Dr. Kisseljack. Uh, he was the head of neurology at UC Health. UC Health. There's good people over at UC yeah. Health. And that's, no and that's kind of how when I say I got lucky and ended up at UC Health. They have one of the top thoracic oncologists in the world, and that's who treats me now. So let's say I ended up at a different hospital, at a different place. I might not even been seen by a specialist. I might be seen by a general oncologist. Where now I'm seen by a specialist that only focuses on lung cancer, and people come from all around the world to see him. And I only ended up there because this neurologist... Out of the clear blue. ...got me in for a biopsy, and that changed the whole plan. So what were the next... Does he had surgery, or just chemo Uh, started? What? So, okay, so kind of coming back to the importance of when you diagnose with lung cancer. Something they're doing now is testing for biomarkers. And that is not done if you don't go to a specialist. That's it's, it's a very important thing to do. UC Health, standard of care. They did something that was cutting edge without me even asking for it. So I get meet with my oncologist on Wednesday. His name's Dr. Ross Camage, one of the best there is. And he goes, hey, you're ALK positive. Again. What does that mean? Exactly. Yeah. But what they do is they test, they, they test for gene mutations within your tumor. And they find if you have any of these certain gene mutations. I had ALK positive. Some of the others are EGFR, ROS1. And they have developed medicines called targeted therapies that essentially go to that gene and switch it off. Wow. And it stops driving the cancer. Now, it's not a cure, and the cancer will mutate and get around it over time. But it, you're not getting blasted with chemo. You're not getting blasted with radiation. You're not getting weak. So it saves your quality of life and gives you more time. Wow. So I started doing that. Um and it worked well. We did do one five sessions of radiation on one tumor, and it was the one pushing on my optic nerve, get my vision back. And, and that would, worked? Yep, within two months, 100% back. <laughs> and honestly, I've been on the target therapies, and they've worked well. I did have one hiccup. Three months after diagnosis, I had a major hemorrhage in a tumor, so I had a major brain bleed and essentially went incognito for about two weeks. And had, it healed itself? No, I had a major brain surgery. Yeah. And I was in the hospital for two weeks and laid up for four weeks after. And at that time, they switched me to a new drug, a new target therapy that had only been FDA-approved two months prior. And I That's started cutting to, edge. What it did differently than the first one I was on was it got across the blood-brain barrier. So some of these work in the lungs, and you have this blood-brain barrier that doesn't let drugs and things get to your brain. Um, this new drug could get up there and work on those tumors. I started taking that in... June of 16, and I've been on it ever since, so almost three and a half years on the same drug. Well, apparently he's working. It's doing its job. It's holding things you know, stable. I mean, I still have a tumor in my lungs, and I still have marks in my MRI on my in my brain, but nothing's growing, and everything's staying stable. And how do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. I mean, the drugs, obviously, they have some sure. side effects. Sure but, they do. You know, I've never quit working. I work full-time. I mean, a big part of my story, I guess— <laughs> I didn't mention from the beginning was we had our first daughter in 
December of 15. Oh I was diagnosed gosh. with cancer two months after. Oh, my gosh. So the whole time I'm going through this, we're doing the nightly feedings and getting up all night with our baby and going through all the all that. And I've been able to do it all. You must have a strong wife. Yeah, I do. She's an amazing person and has been beside me every step of the way. Well, all gentlemen should recognize that. I yeah. Think, most of us should. Yep. She's been my number one advocate and essentially has taken care of me. Anything I've wanted to do, you know, if I say, hey, we should change our diet and try this. I've read this or done that. She's... So do anything I ask. And it's ongoing probably for the rest of your life. Yeah, at this point, there's there's no cure. Um, so the, the goal is to you stay on one of these drugs as long as possible. You know, they're not – it depends on how you look at it. They're not long, long-term drugs. Maybe you get two, three years out of one. That's kind of – they call it pro- progression-free survival. So it's how long you can be on that drug before it progresses. So you're only getting two or three years, but that's way, way better than, I mean, before, if you had stage four lung cancer, survival rate oh. to make it one year was well, not good. Well, any stage four cancer yeah, exactly, exactly. is pretty much not yeah. good. So now we're talking the five-year survival rate's getting better. Everything's moving up a little bit. If you are seen by a specialist and you get these biomarker testings, things done right, you can live for much longer with a higher quality of life. Well, it's like anything the sooner you get the care the better yeah. you're going to be and the other thing is you talk about these meds that might last two or three years there's always something new exactly you're oh. just trying to wait for the next one. yeah what's the next one coming out because the research is non-ending correct because we do some work with the uh, I have a charity a golf charity that we've raised a million dollars to help research over over at anschutz yeah. the university of Colo- colorado cancer that's, research that's Center. where i'm treated and we give them these scientists that are working on all kinds of cancer, we give them money, and they do a trial, and the government gives them more money. So our money of one million is turned into ten million for all kinds of cancer yeah. research for people like you. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's you got to do your part, and, yep. and you seem fine. You seem mentally fine to me. I don't know, maybe because we're talking on the radio right now. But you, yeah, no, I I think I'm fine. Um, my wife will say maybe I forget or slur my or stumble my words a little more than I used to, but I'm getting older. Well, I do that every day. <laughs> exactly. Don't feel bad about that for sure. Yeah. It's Matt Arnsdorf, Arnsdorf. I said that right. Yep, Arnsdorf. Yep. And he is a, as you can tell, a speaker advocate for the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. Talk about them. Talk about the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. How are you involved? How did you get involved with them? Okay. Um, I essentially was doing a speaking engagement for the American Cancer Society, and they saw me give a speech and then approached me to join their Speakers Bureau, which is a group of lung cancer patients that have decided that we need to get out there and raise awareness. We need to let people know, you know, the seriousness of lung cancer, let people know that this is the number one cancer killer. kills more than the next three combined. Is that right? It actually... For men and women? For men and women. People think of breast cancer as a number one killer of women um lung cancer will kill twenty thousand more a year than breast cancer wow it's not the number one diagnosed cancer it's the number one killer and the big part is you don't have side effects to their stage four and just like we said earlier if you're stage four you're in trouble yeah so that's when people find out they have lung cancer they're stage four and there's no cure so the speakers bureau is getting out there and it's raising awareness and also raising funds for research because we all know that funds are critically important. And the Lung Cancer uh, Foundation, they also do 
a ton of fundraising, essentially for young researchers. The idea is to get the top young researchers in the world, cancer researchers, into doing lung cancer research. And since 2007, they have provided almost $4 million in grants to young, young cancer researchers. Well, that's great. And that research, is, is any of that done locally here? Because we have really a lot of good medical facilities, as you found out. Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of lung cancer research being done at um, UC Health and yeah. shoots some. They have a huge lung cancer research department. Wow, that's quite a story, Matt. It yeah. really is. So, w- what can you tell people? What do you What do you say to somebody sitting out there? I don't know what to say because, like you said, there's not a lot of symptoms. Yeah, I mean, some of the things that you could possibly check for is if you're starting to have like a persistent cough, just a <coughs> yeah, it just never goes away, and usually. It's a long-term diagnosis. You know, doctor gives you antibiotics for a cold or treats you for a respiratory infection. And, you know, be persistent. If it's not going away, you know, say you want to look further into something. Um, and I, other than that, just, there's different side effects. There's back pain. A lot of p- cancer has a tendency to spread to the bones. So a lot of people with stage four lung cancer, they end up getting severe back pain. That's how they find out, you know, what they had. If you've had other types of cancer, and sometimes they don't get all the you know, they check your lymph nodes and do all of that. Sure. Can that lead to lung cancer? Is that one you could have a follow-up to if you had another kind of cancer? Yeah, that's where cancer gets a little complicated. Um, if it started in a different origin and spread to your lungs, it's probably not necessarily going to be labeled lung cancer. It's going to be prostate cancer that spread. Um, yeah, if you're getting more than one type of cancer, which I've seen it, it's, I don't know what to say, I guess bad luck. I know people that they have lung cancer, they're going through the treatments, and then, a year later, they're diagnosed with breast cancer as well, and they have to have all the treatments for that, and it's completely different treatments. And apparently by what you've gone through, Matt, it can happen at any age in life. I any mean, you're age. a young man. Yep, 32, and I know people that are younger, and there's so many stories like me, and that's the sad part. My story is not unique. Um, I know another lady in Colorado. She was diagnosed at 30, and she was seven months pregnant. Oh. So they have to have early deliveries and then start their treatments as soon as possible. And again, that's not a unique story. It's actually becoming more and more common in women. Uh, we don't know why, but it's... And they're mostly non-smokers. Yeah, or... non-smokers. Um, there's, it's only 35% of people with lung cancer are smokers, and actually only 20% of them are current smokers. You know, some are former smokers. So sure, sure. You're looking at the majority of people being former smokers, uh, non-smokers, never smokers that are making up a large portion of this because you know there's so many different things that can be caused by you know there's obviously radon and pollution and asbestos and i think there's just like any cancer i think there's just bad luck you just get cancer there's bad luck sometimes i think it's in the food we eat i yeah. mean you know what what are they spraying on that stuff exactly you, you don't know that yeah that you think you know but you don't but even when you go there i know people that are vegan non-processed foods work out every day stage four lung cancer Jeez, that's an unbelievable story. But I think you will agree, and you hear it time and time again with really any kind of cancer, early detection yes. is huge. It is, it's very huge. And lung cancer, that's a hard one oh, to I, find I, I know, out. I hear you. I hear you talking because people know I've been through breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But there were things. Yeah. I thought, I, got, I better get that checked. But you, you barely had anything except yeah. this eye problem. Yeah, I don't know how you could have it unless at some point they said, you know what, a certain age you have to get a ct scan or some type of scan at your physical you know just like at age 50 or whatever the age is you're supposed to start getting prostate exams exactly you know unless they 
do something like that. Or mammograms or yep. you know, stuff like that. Exactly. That's what they need to do something like that to do early screening for lung cancer. Well, talk to the insurance companies about <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. You know, you've been through that, yeah. I can tell. Yep. I understand you're with some uh, with the Lung Cancer Foundation of America, a video series called Hope with Answers. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great program. And essentially, it was designed to help people understand their diagnosis, help them understand new research that's coming out, and obviously new treatments. And what it is, is essentially patients, patient survivors are um, interviewing doctors, our key researchers in lung cancer, experts, and asking them various questions. You know, it could be as simple as, hey, doc, what should we ask when we first get diagnosed with cancer? Or it could be as complex as talking about biomarkers and the complexity of those and how to treat those. So these are things someone can go watch if they happen to go to their doctor's appointment and go, oh, I forgot to ask this. Maybe they'll be able to find it on Hope With Answers. Or if it's just questions you didn't even think you you oh. knew to ask. So you're seeing questions that you didn't think to ask, and now you can get it there as well as go ask your doctor. And also another thing I think that's good about it, if you're watching these videos and you're saying, hey, my doctor couldn't answer these questions you need to go see a different doctor. You need to get a second opinion. It's it's crucial. I think 85% of people with lung cancer are undertreated. They're being treated by a general undertreated. Undertreated. Wow. They're being treated by a general oncologist or a primary. And you know as well all the different types of cancer. How can one person know all the treatments for everything versus going to a thoracic oncologist, a specialist that knows everything that's coming out and every advancement. So when your cancer progresses, they got a new plan for you, or they got, hey, we're down in the research clinic. We got a clinical trial for you. You're only going to get that if you're being seen by a specialist. That is true. I've seen it time and time again. Now, where do we see these videos? You can go to hopewithanswers.org. You can find them on YouTube. You can go to lungcancerlcfamerica.org. But hopewithanswers.org is the easiest. They're right on their webpage. And you can go through the, the video series. They kind of have them split up with. A 101, a 201, and a 301. So the 101s are a little more simple and shorter, and the other ones progress and are a little more complex. Well, I think you'll agree, though, as the person that was going through the trauma, it's good to have an advocate. You, yeah. You need somebody, and it was probably your wife. Yes. Who sat by you and listened with a different mindset as you sit there shocked with tumors in my brain and my, my eyes don't work, and now I got lung cancer? Yeah. I can't even imagine what your mindset was. I mean, it was just... Yeah, you're just in shock. You don't really know what to think, what questions to ask. So you need an advocate. You need someone that's going to go do some of the research for you, Do some of the, ask some of the questions that you're not going to think of. Or honestly, even if you're asking the questions at your visit, have someone that's going to remember the answers. You know, write Very something key. down. Or you could go in with an idea of, I'm going to ask these 10 questions. But when you're in there and things just kind of get overwhelming, you might only ask two of them, and they chime in and, you know, ask the rest. Yeah, we got. Yeah, of. always have an advocate. I'm, I'm big yeah. into that. So, the Lung Cancer Foundation of America, they have a website, don't they? Yes, lcfamerica.org. Is your story on there? Your videos are on there. Vid- I actually just did one with um, a local oncologist about THC and CBD and oh, cancer and that's lung cancer a treatments. Pretty hot topic right yeah, now. Yeah, that's why we did it. Obviously, being in Colorado where it's legalized, it's a big topic, and there's possibly some good stuff there the problem is there just hasn't been enough research on it and there needs to be research done on it to see if it can truly be helpful is there research being done on it 
Or has it been kind of just, eh, we got other stuff here that's probably they're tr- better? They're trying. I mean, part of what the only research that can be done is you talk to your oncologist while you're on your treatment to say, hey, I'm going to try doing CBD or THC and then kind of reporting to your doctor. A doctor can't do it. I mean, they're it's they're federally funded. Yeah. It's federally illegal. It's so federally they, illegal. They can't do anything. So there are some different studies, and there's kind of more of just tell-me-your-story studies, but as for true scientific research, it's kind of hard for doctors to do any right now. So when you're out doing these speaking tours, because I mentioned to uh, Matt earlier I do some for male breast cancer, the, the people look at you shocked. They don't believe you. Yeah. But... The, that won't happen to me. I think that's. I mean, I think that's anybody in life. You don't believe things like this can happen to you, but the the fact is, it it can. Anybody with lungs can get lung cancer. But yeah, people are shocked at my age. They're shocked at how I look, and how I look is a example of the targeted therapies, the new research medication. I'm not blasted down by chemo. I haven't lost my hair. I haven't lost weight. I'm. I look like your everyday person. It's because of the new drugs that are allowing for a better quality of life. Well, and not necessarily chemo is the treatment for lung cancer, is it? I mean, chemo, people are afraid of chemo, and they yeah. and they ought to be aware of chemo. I don't think you should be afraid of it, but you should be aware of it. Yeah. And depending on the kind of cancer you have, and is it for stage one or stage four, it's got to control that. But chemo scares people. It so does. is there other treatments that, in your case, for lung cancer, that maybe you won't even have chemo? Well, chemo is always there, and I think it will always be used. But hopefully it's in your back pocket. If you go to the right places and you get the biomarker testing done, you can qualify for these targeted therapies. Like when they found me, they found I had the ALK mutation. So essentially I take a targeted therapy that just targets the ALK mutation. I mean, everything's coming more personalized, personalized medicine. So if you can find you have one of these targets and you can take a targeted therapy, your quality of life is going to be better, your survival is going to be better, and you can avoid chemo. Now, it's always there because chemo is getting better. I know oh, people are oh. scared of it, but it's getting way better. No, oh, was. no kidding. So it's always in my back pocket. If these target therapies stop and wear out, there are some good chemos that I could get on to prolong my life until hopefully something else comes out. Um, the other big thing in lung cancer is immunotherapy. It essentially started around 2015. You actually see a lot of commercials about it which gets mixed reviews because the commercials seem so positive when it's yeah. – it only works for, you know, certain people. But what it's doing, and it's kind of an idea that's been around for a long time, a great idea. For some reason, your immune system sees a cancer cell and decides it's not going to fight it or attack it. it. It gets confused. It says it looks similar. Well, what these immunotherapies are doing is training your own immune system to go in and attack cancer cells. So we're going to train our immune system to kill the cancer off. and, and Which makes sense. Of, exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's the new thing is the target therapies and the immunotherapies are the, the big deals right now. So what's next for you? What's, what's, uh, you'll be on this trail for a while, obviously. Yeah, I'll be on the trail for a while. I mean, my progress right now is every three months I go in for a CT scan, MRI, and blood work, and we essentially look and see if my cancer's progressed. So you kind of live life three months at a time. Yeah. But... Um, essentially what's next for me is if I ever progressed, the first thing I'd request a doctor to do is we need to rebiopsy my tumors and look for another mutation or driver that's driving it. And possibly there's a drug versus just, hey, throw some pills at it, throw some chemo at it. You want to be specific. If you find out, you do a biopsy and find out there's a mutation, 
the chance of the next drug working, it, the percentage is much, much higher. Is it? Way higher. So you you request that? Yes. So you're being your own advocate. That's It's so important. And I, I hate to say it that, I mean, it's not like you know more than doctors, but it's very important that you can go in and have a conversation about your treatment. You can have educated conversation. You can also pass around ideas. You know, if a doctor throws one out, you might say, well, what about this? Or at least be able to ask why that one versus this one and get a good explanation. Well, and I think, and perhaps it's the older baby boomer life, people are afraid to question doctors because they're doctors. They Mm -hmm. can't be wrong. Well, maybe they're not, but you can question them. It's it's your health. They're only presenting what they think, but you need to ask why, what, when, or where. Yep, because there's these there's pages on Facebook of groups of people that are all patient advocates. They're all people with the same thing. So what I have there's called the Alk Positive Group, and there's thousands of people with the exact same condition, and you can hear what they did when they progressed or when this happened to them, and you can see how it did it was what went well or didn't go well for them. Sure. So now sure. you can go to your doctor and say, Hey, have you thought of this? I know it's worked for somebody. Good idea. I like it, Matt. Best of luck to you. Thank you. I mean, this is you've said a lot of smart things and hopefully opened some eyes of men and women out there that, well, I do have that call for whatever they think it is. Get checked. Exactly. Because a lot of us think, oh, it'll go away. Yeah. Not necessarily, right? Nope, not at all. Good job. Good job. So you would recommend people get checked. If they yeah. Need it. yeah. I mean, that's for any cancer or anything. You need yeah, to do exactly. your screenings, your self-checks, and take care of yourself. Really? Well, November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. And as Matt said, be aware. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. And thanks for what you're doing for the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. And thank you guys for listening. You know, it's Mile High Magazine. We're here every Sunday. And I am Murphy Houston. And we will be back next Sunday. Have a great weekend.